Welcome podcast fans to a new episode of First Online with Friends. There's no place like art. I'm Frances McGarry, actor, PhD, theater education practitioner, author, and advocate of the healing power of the arts. Recently, we've had voter suppression laws legislated in Georgia, the trial of George Flynn, Capitol Police suing the past president for inciting an insurrection and rising hate crimes against Asian Americans. Let's not fail to mention the ever-present pandemic that continues to challenge our emotional and physical health. Nevertheless, through the arts and ultimately the production of this podcast, I can offer respite in the knowledge that there are ordinary people doing extraordinary things in the arts to sensitize our souls and heal our humanity. Today's guest, Holly Savas, is the VP brand Art and Community for the Creative Action Network, a go-to online marketplace for social impact art and merchandise that supports independent artists and worthy social causes via the products sold on their website. For example, Maggie Stern Stitches uh, was featured on an earlier podcast episode. She creates socks of famous women and men who have pioneered causes from RBG to Jane Austen to Harriet Tubman. Creative Action Network is a community of artists and advocates making art with a purpose. They run crowdsourced campaigns around causes, inviting anyone and everyone to contribute their own meaningful designs. Welcome, Holly. Hi, it's nice to be here. You said that art is the most powerful tool for making change. That motto is prominently displayed on your website. That was one of the first things that captured my attention. So let's start our conversation on how that became Creative Action Network's core belief. Well, I grew up believing art could change the world. So apart from my job in Creative Action Network, I think that for me, my orientation to life has always been through the lens of art and um, how art is presented. So a creative action network. We're calling on the legacy of people who have made art over the years from the beginning of time to try to get their point across, specifically the Works Progress Administration posters of the 1930s and 40s, which were the government's response to the Great Depression and getting artists back to work and not only did they put artists back to work, they were one of the only programs of the New Deal that actually hired diverse artists. So it was also a sort of a groundbreaking program. But since the beginning of time, we've been using art to inspire change. And during the New Deal, we needed a country to be lifted up. And so artists rallied to the cause. They made posters that said, drink milk, uh, visit the zoo, get vaccinated. And we see that those posters, that art, 
the way that the government put a diverse group of artists to work during that time really did uplift a nation. Everything that you're talking about can be, it's happening right now in our country. I mean, just the other day, you know, Biden introduced this whole new infrastructure plan. Yeah. And, you know, how important it is to getting artists back to work. I'm from New York Mm -hmm. and Mayor de Blasio is working to get the theaters open and get artists back to work. It's so interesting how way back when, during the depression, art really was like a lifesaver. Yeah. So how have you taken that example Mm -hmm. and incorporated it into your program? Well, Creative Action Network has been around for a while originally started by our founders when President Obama was running the first time in 2008. They started posters from for Obama from, um, I believe it was their dorm room, I'm trying to remember. And uh, all of a sudden, everyone wanted to contribute art. And so they received hundreds of posters, which they eventually turned into a book. We turned it into a book that I believe it was co-produced with Spike Lee. I have to get my facts yeah. in on that. Yeah, exactly. So Spike Lee, yeah, he made it, helped us make it. And we saw last summer with all of the protests and shops getting boarded up due to the pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement and just everything that was happening, how much art cropped up on fences, abandoned buildings. The amount of art that came out of last summer was really mind-blowing. And it does nothing but reflect the attitudes of the people that made it and what they wanted to share with the world. So the Black Lives Matter protest art that, I mean, I have in like the corner of my neighborhood down in Divisadero Street, like every single store either has art that's been painted on it by someone else or someone who works at the store did it. And so it's, it's hard to ignore what's going on in culture when it's all over your neighborhood and it's depicted in a way that's beautiful. How do you get the, those pieces of art? If I have something, a cause, a piece uh of art, you know, how do I go about getting in touch with you? With Creative Action Network? Yeah. So Creative Action Network runs campaigns around different causes. So that's one way where traditionally we have rallied our artist community to submit the art that they make around oceans or the vote or pride. They can submit it through our website and then every campaign is matched up with a cause. So when we were running um, an adopt don't shop campaign for adoption of animals that was matched up with the SFSPCA. So proceeds of everything that the artist community submitted, we turned into a poster, which we would sell online, hundreds, thousands of posters. And then they give back to the SPCA plus the artist who made it. So we have a really broad community of artists right now, and we have a great pipeline to communicate with them. I think this last year has brought out the activist in everyone. And so artists were kind of beating down our doors, like with amazing art from everything that came out of the runoffs in Georgia to the election last year, to the Green New Deal book. Uh, It's just unbelievable how much art there is out there. So now we just, we wish we could clone ourselves and make 10 creative action networks so that we could just do more of what we're doing. In terms of branding, mm-hmm. how do you market these kinds of community issues and projects? Mm-hmm. Well, it's 
it's a lot of different ways. We do it, we have an email list. So we send everyone email updates every week. We engage in community events. So obviously the last year has been a little bit hard for us to get out there and get into the community with our work and with our artists. But the very last thing we did before the pandemic shut everything down last March was to have a Green New Deal art pop-up show in downtown San Francisco, where we invited the artists. We had folks from Sunrise Movement. We had an amazing evening where we put up about a hundred different posters and had our co-sponsors, the Living New Deal, bring in speakers. And we were able to connect some of the art from the original New Deal to the Green New Deal art of today with proceeds going back to Sunrise Movement, which is this coalition of young people working to reverse the effects of climate change. So we like to do in-person things whenever we can, because you know when you see a, a poster in person, it's a little bit different. It hits you in a different way than it would hit yeah. you if you saw it yeah, online. And that's, that's kind of like what we're all trying to find our way during this pandemic as artists, mm -hmm. you know, museums and theaters, are doing Zoom, we're doing Zoom readings. I've done mm -hmm. a number of those, but it's really hard to not have that audience and to feel them, to know that they're there and they're breathing and feeling all of those things. There's also a lot of museums and that is doing virtual tours, things like that. It, there's something that is lost in the translation. Mm -hmm. One of the causes, you know, you mentioned climate change and all of those. Mm -hmm. The latest one that I saw was gun control or gun violence. My last guest, Mike Turner, a mm -hmm. retired federal investigator, he retired and started writing songs mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and writing poetry. And he talked about how some of his music is about issues like gun control. Mm -hmm. Get the disconnect between I have this idea, how do I present it to you. Can you frame that a different way? I'm not sure I understand. So I was thinking about Mike, but I was also thinking about that you're starting a campaign or some kind of campaign about gun violence. Yes. Yeah. We have a, we have a campaign actually, I believe it was from after, was from before Parkland. It's been around for quite a while. It might've been after the Orlando shootings. It's called the gun show. And it aimed to increase awareness of the gun show loopholes, which made it a lot easier to get guns at gun shows without having to go through the regular channels, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, so we have a lot of great gun control art, and the proceeds of that go back to an organization called the Dream Corps, which is a social justice accelerator. They work a lot on like civil justice issues, Black Lives Matter, reforming prison regulations. It's um, Van Jones. I don't know if you, you know. Oh yeah. Oh, I love him. He's, oh, yeah. He was, he founded that and he happens to be on our board. And so we are very well connected to the idea that civil justice, the justice system, criminal justice, it just needs to get overhauled and put me at the front of the line to get rid of every single gun in America. Quite honestly, I come from a state where people had guns. I know. Right. And I, I just do not understand why people in Washington get to decide. It might come down to one or two senators. It's really ridiculous. Ridiculous. You know what? I'm interested in, you know, when you start these campaigns, mm -hmm. do you have like any feedback in terms of the impact that it has on the issue? You know, it's hard. It's hard to tell. And I think that's one of the reasons that 
art and art as a social tool, tool for change, sometimes get ignored or overlooked because art is hard to quantify. You can't put a number on how someone's heart grows when they see a Black Lives Matter poster. But we do have other measurable ways that we can gauge how we're impacting the community. Recently, when the pandemic hit, we were going to do a a pop-up show in person at the DNC in Milwaukee last summer. And it was going to be great. It was going to be a big interactive art event, uh, hands-on with projectors. We had to take that online Mm -hmm. um, and turned it into a money for the people campaign, which was art crowdsourced in order to shed light on the need and the urgency to get people their checks you know, right at the beginning of the pandemic, we worked with a company called, not a company, sorry, they're an organization called Economic Security Project. But where I'm going with this is that that campaign turned into a masks for the people campaign, where we pivoted to making masks last year. And for every mask we sold, we partnered with coworker.org. They're a really amazing organization of organizers and workers, boots on the ground who help people have more just environments to work in. So food care, uh, food, healthcare workers, childcare workers, food service. So it's really we, getting, you're connected. We're getting, we're getting the getting stuff out there. there. And we, we've yeah. given away 6,000 masks to those people so far. And everyone was sending in their selfies with the masks, like we can do it. They had vote messages on them in November. It was great. So social media is a wonderful tool to get feedback from your community. Oh, okay. That, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was, that was what I was trying to get at. Okay. Like, what's the connection between, I have this project, I have yep. this idea, yeah. I have this cause. So yeah. through, so it's through your social media, primarily that these. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So it's that easy. It's that easy. It's pretty easy, but I think it all comes down to what your cause is and what you're showcasing, you know, like Maggie Stern, love Maggie. She's great. She made the original RBG blue teal sock. And it just resonated in a way that something had not resonated with anyone for a really long time. And the drive around that became so multifaceted. Grandmothers were putting pictures on Facebook. Teenagers were wearing the Greta sock then. And then it became like, wow, we need a Maya Angelou sock for Mother's Day. And uh, things can really spiral because of social media and word of mouth. So What's the rearrangement in terms of financial agreements? You know, how does that kind of stuff work out? Right, right. You mean like, how do we pay the artists or how do we yeah, pay? Yeah, and how do you make money? How do we make money? <laughs> yeah. We make money by selling stuff. I will say that, you know, but it's been a tough year with the pandemic. It's been really hard. Facebook shut down our advertising, so we couldn't advertise. And last December would have been like a huge holiday season for us. We would have made tons of money. We were just, we had everything prepared. <laughs> Yeah, uh, and then Facebook banned political advertising, and even though we're not political at all, no. like well, we we are, but the stuff we were trying to it's sell, like the yeah. RBG sock and a, like a compassion mask, be kind, they really shut us down. So, yeah. So then with the artists, there is a percentage of every sale that goes back to the artist of gross revenue. It's like just straight ten percent of gross revenue that goes back to the artist, and then a percentage also goes back to the cause. But we also have arrangements with other companies to license artwork. So with Merrill Shoes or The Gap, if we have an artist who's got like a beautiful See America poster that we can license to them, 
then they pay the artist like a 40% or we pay the artist 40% of whatever we get. So we're really all about elevating art to the masses, to a broad platform where people can like buy a shoe from Merrill that has Creative Action Network See America art on it and know that it's giving back to earth justice, which, you know, the earth needs a good lawyer. You've all heard that and raises awareness about their local national park that they haven't ever been to. So yeah, there's a lot going on. We all wear a lot of hats. Yeah. You know, we're just trying to get by. Yes. And th- that was something else that, that drew me to your organization. You know, first I found out about it through Maggie, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. And then I started to see the vast selection and mm-hmm. opportunities. I'm like, oh my God, how do they do this? So thank you for, for answering that question. Cause I, it was a disconnect for me and mm-hmm. it's much clearer to me now. I was really impressed with the partners that mm-hmm. you also have that gives legitimacy mm-hmm. to, and transparency to the kind of work that you do. Uh, Can you talk about some of those partners, maybe your favorite one and the outcome? Sure, I'd love to. I have a lot of favorites. They're all causes we all care about, but I would say that my favorite is probably Sunrise Movement because of the involvement we've had in person with Sunrise Bay Area, meeting them at our show, talking about how we can connect the New Deal with the Green New Deal, They brought in speakers to our show and we were singing protest songs. Uh, You know, imagine a brick gallery. It's 100 years old, downtown San Francisco, full of people, young and old, artists, Sunrise Movement, singing a protest song from the 70s. Like it was just a real feeling. And with the posters that we showed at that gallery, that show, that pop-up that night, we turned them into a book, Posters for the Green New Deal, which is a super awesome oversized poster book that you can buy and pull out posters from. And what I love about Sunrise Movement is that they've been benefiting from every single book we've sold. So for every book we sell, we're sending them money, which they in turn can use to hold more events and rallies and paint downtown San Francisco with, I think they did like a, some kind of a I don't think it was Green New Deal. I think it was Climate Action Now or Climate Justice during the last climate strike. They took California Street downtown and painted it. It's things like that that make our work really fun, also really meaningful. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in how you took the way that you grew up mm-hmm. to become the VP of branding, you know, for oh. an amazing organization. Right, right. Um, well, that would take a really long time. <laughs> But I will say that my parents encouraged me to pursue things that were practical as well as things that I really wanted to do. So I ended up going to business school, even though I really wanted to go to art school and had a career in marketing, then moved to Spain for a year with my husband. Right after we got married, we made, I made art, he made music. We came back, had babies. I kept making art, but I never lost sight of the fact that I needed to do something more strategic. Like I needed to use what I knew about working for big companies. I had my own company. I designed stationery. I needed to use what I knew to spread the word that art can change the world. I just felt that. I grew up in a pretty progressive household. My mom worked for Planned Parenthood. I never felt like there were times when I shouldn't be giving back. I volunteered a lot in college. And then of course, having my own kids and 
and the great fortune to live a block away from our elementary school, which had a very involved group of parents who overhauled the art program, hired art teachers, made it a really vibrant place to, to be a kid. That really gave me the confidence, I think, having helped repaint a mural and overhauling the, like hiring ceramics teachers um, and raising money for arts programs. That gave me the confidence to think I could do anything. Because when you're in a, I used to volunteer in art class every Friday. And when you're in a classroom and the kids are just making stuff, there's no joy in the world like that. Where like someone's, someone's making something that looks just like a big lump of clay. And to them, maybe it's just a lump of clay or maybe it's, I don't know, a microwave oven. But it's just very, very cool. And then I, um, I met uh, Max and Aaron and Christina from Creative Action Network and just kind of clicked. I'd been looking for a, a way to start using my knowledge and skills in a more like effective, concrete way. And I thought I'll just help them out with social media. That's what they hired me for originally. And like, we'll see how it goes. And we all just clicked. And even though the last year has been really hard and there've been a lot of twists and turns, we're pretty tight. And I think we're going to go, we're definitely going to go places. And well, certainly with the, with the kind of support that you have here. And I will lend my support, you know, in any way for what that's worth. You know, Mother's Day is coming up and mm -hmm. we are celebrating not only our moms, but celebrating the fact that we can nurture our children. How do you bring home the bacon, travel to do this, da da da? How do you balance all that out? Well, I think I was really lucky in that I made a choice to be an at-home parent for my kids. And I, you know, made art from home and worked from home. But I I had some time while they were getting older, and now they're in sixth grade and ninth grade, so they're a lot older, but I had some time to get organized and figure out where my edges were and what I could do and what I couldn't do. And I still feel that it's important to strive for balance in your life, but sometimes you're just going to have to focus on the kids. And sometimes you're just going to have to only work and it's not always going to be perfect and the bed's not going to get made. And, you know, they're eating peanut butter and jelly again, and that's fine. Um, and eventually they get old enough to make their own lunches. And there's a beautiful balance of having something for myself to do that spreads good in the world that makes me not focus on them so much so that they can go out and do their own things and become more autonomous in the world. Yes, and you're um, a wonderful role model. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, I, I think it's been good for my kids to see that I'm giving back, but also the role that art can play. I mean, our house is full of art supplies. They're both, they're both artists in different ways, um, but they've been exposed to the arts for sure. I, I get up really early and do a lot of parent stuff and then I start working at 8.30 or 9 and I'm online with all my dear coworkers during the day. And then around 4 or 5 o'clock, um, it's okay, I've got to shut it off. Someone's going to need dinner. Someone needs a ride. And uh, the one thing that's kept me sane, though, this really since I was about 19 was a, a daily walk. I love to get out and walk. I live near Golden Gate Park. Oh, it's so beautiful there. It's so beautiful. I can be in the Redwoods in like five minutes. There's a garden. There's a rose garden. There's a dahlia garden. And it's been closed to cars this last year. So not only can you just roller skate in the middle of the street, it smells good because there's no exhaust. So 
it's even been, I think, more important for me in this last year, just having to get out of the house with everyone in the house, whereas they weren't in the house before. My husband's working from home. Um, sometimes yeah, there's there, a dog. <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel that we will all be able to go outside and, and interact. I just got my uh, second vaccine. So it's, oh, yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a good, it's a good thing. Before yeah. we close uh-huh. to wrap up our, mm-hmm. our little talk here, thanks so much. It's, you are truly an inspiration. I love, I love the fact that you um, gave me this time. Where do you go to now? What's the next hurdle? that you see not only as a member of this marvelous creative action network, mm-hmm. but also for yourself as an artist, as a creator. This might sound like a cop-out because I'm not sure if it's a hurdle, but there is just so much to do. So one hurdle is just deciding where we want to point what I like to call our art hose. Like, where are we going to put our efforts? That's really hard because we are a small team. Professionally, I think our company is going to be growing a lot. And a hurdle for us is we know we're going to be successful. We know we are going to grow and art can change the world. But how do we do that in a way that keeps us close to our heart and our values and our core? So I think that's going to be a big hurdle, but it's a good hurdle to have to jump over. Most definitely. When you yeah. come, Yes. When you come from truth, the transparency will transcend and goodness will come your way. And I hope I can bring some more of that through our little chat here. Thank you so much, Holly, for being with us and uh, with me. (laughs) And I'm looking forward to someday meeting you in person, like we all wish that day to come. Thanks a lot. Thank you. This has been really great. I appreciate it. Find out more about what Fran is up to. Go to her website at firstonlinewithfran.com. This program was produced by March Hare Media and recorded at Wheat Sheet Studio Productions.